Clinical Disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Ooh, duck. Ooh, duck. (laughs) Someone's here today, super good friend of mine. She is my dear family friend. I don't know why you always call her family friend. That's what I have, listen, (laughs) you don't know our relationship, okay? You don't know. I don't know our relationship. Hang on a second, Laura. <laughs> don't, don't, you don't need to. <laughs> Did you know that you're family friends? Okay, and we're back. We're here. We're ready. We're in it. And as we were saying before, my dear and close friend, Laura Rademacher is here, licensed family therapist. She came on at my personal request to be on this episode with us. It had nothing to do with Tara because, you know what, our bond is so strong. We don't even need Tara to be the intermediary anymore. I feel so connected to you after all of our conversations. And you know what, all I want for Christmas this year from you, I just want you to like, get a script and read me like a calm app like thing you know what i mean like the app calm by the way calm if you'd (laughs) like to be a sponsorship here at the university of pleasure please give us a call but the point is just something like your voice soothes me like it just are you gee well first of all that's very kind thank you but does it have to be christmas themed no absolutely not i'm just saying i want that for my because we're such good family friends now that i just for my christmas (laughs) gift this year that's going to come with my christmas card that i have something that's my request (laughs) okay i want it to be christmas themed i just want you to do christmas (laughs) you know what i would take it if she sends it to me i would absolutely take it like the Night Before Christmas by Laura Rademacher. I'd be like, oh, that's it. I listen to it in the summertime. It makes me so happy. And I'm so happy that you're here. It's so great to see you. And it's so great to know that you've been doing well. And we were talking theater before, incidentally, folks, before we got on here. And I was told something that, you know, I'm surprised I didn't know this because of our closely knit relationship. <laughs> that she was actually... A, a, a rock star costumer. So now I know that. Incidentally, I'm working on a new show. It's pro wrestling rock musical. You down to make some singlets? Absolutely. Yeah. I've made. I've. I've pretty much made singlets before. See? Yeah. I get into that. Okay. Are you doing what? What are you doing on top? Oh well. So. <laughs> depending on the character. I mean, I could, we could deep dive into this, and I know I'm sure we will offline because we're so close. But um, the reality is we have several female wrestling characters. One of them is called The Mother. It's one of my favorite characters that was invented for the show where it's literally her. She's a she's a, a heel character, and her she comes out seeing her own entrance music, and it's hilarious, and she's literally called The Mother, and it's all about it. She's got 15 kids. She hasn't slept in 15 years, and she's miserable. You never know what kind of version you're getting. And she's like, how about mothers are the toughest humans on earth like nothing tougher than a mother and if you piss her off she'll beat you with her wooden spoon like it's the greatest <laughs> wrestling gimmick i'm telling you you're gonna love this song i you... think this is amazing she'll take you down and then she'll breastfeed you that's a... <laughs> <laughs> i would I've, i'm ready to see this i would go see this this yeah. is literally there's also a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of kink intersect in sort of this <laughs> really <laughs> Really honest. Well, actually, in the actual song, some of the lyrics are my the my furniture stained with breast milk and all of my clothes are too. And that's like part of her whole thing is like, you know, that's real. It, it's real. Yeah. It's and it's actually a it, it is a love letter to all mothers like that. She is the toughest character in the show, like that. It's the character is the mother because, you know, setting bones and drying tears like she takes well, care of business. Well, 
you and you and Laura will have to figure out. I know. The I'm best sorry. I'm just you know. It's, it's just when when Laura and I have the time to catch up like this, we have so much that we want to talk about and connect on that we, we're gonna a lot of we. You know. So it, listen, I, I understand. We have things we have to do today. So announcements about announcements. Don't forget to check out the Amy book. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on all of our social media. Doc, hit us with our phone number. Uh, 917-382-0653. Leave us a message. Send us a uh, could have been better sex story. You can also at uh, contact at universityofpleasure.com. You can write one out. Always love reading a good uh, could have been better sex story and having the doc talk through it all. Rolling your eyes, Doc. What is no, happening? No, no. I was there? also. I was just. I'm listening. You keep thinking my listening face is me rolling no, my eyes. No, there's something going on with you. Last week's episode, your listening face was very like. I'm. I'm not even. I'm a mile away, and I was saying very important things. So it's good that we have Laura here, and Laura is a um, marriage and family therapist. So at some when we're done, maybe Laura, you can help Jeremiah. She can't <laughs> help me a, because some we're relational mm, work here. We yeah, we need to do some relational. We work can't do it because Laura and I are really close friends, and it would uh, not work out in the, uh, right. the ethics yeah, of things. Sorry, because we're too close now. So enough about me. <laughs> good to see you, Laura. We have an amazing thing that we're going to talk about from a highly, highly respected um, medical journal. And we're going to be talking it's about not. this article. <laughs> okay. So this was sent to me by the doc. She said that I should read this, and we thought that it would be really important that Laura, being a marriage and family counselor as well, would come on and help talk us through this. Um, this medical journal is called L Magazine. And it's where I usually get a lot of my information there in Cosmo. So, well, let's talk through what this is. So, how much would you spend to save your relationship is the name of the article. And it's after infidelity, these couples turned to upscale intensive marriage retreats as last ditch effort to stay together. Now, I didn't really read much past that to be perfectly honest, because I already knew what we were talking about here. Because in the world that I know and understand, they're just going to a, a swinger island, right? I mean, that's what this sounds like to me. Like, it's, it sounds like they're going to hedonism. Like, you know, one last Swinger island? You know what I mean? That's that, what hedonism, isn't that? Isn't there like an island? It's like, you know, you go to hedonism. It's like, are you talking about like some of the like clubs that are like you know like swingers may tend to congregate at certain clubs listen i'm sorry that i have to educate you here there is a thing no, i know what you're hedonism. talking about <laughs> but is it on an island yes you go to that. like you go to you go to like the bahamas and there's a place called hedonism and they have you know like their own like section of the island Jama- you're not the only Jama- people on the island yeah it's Jamaica. It's, it's Jamaica. Jamaica. It's Jamaica. Okay, okay. you're going to look it up so and fact check island. me as we go. All right. So, yeah, like, a, <laughs> a big island. It's, not, it's a resort on an island. Okay, I never I said I was is... good at geography. It's a resort <laughs> or details on an <laughs> island. Hey, I, technically, you were correct. I just in my head were picturing like you get on the boat, they boat you out to an island. It's only swingers. <laughs> that, that's what was happening in my brain. And, I was and like, by the way, way we that is absolutely a, bra- a new bravo percent. Yeah, the swinger island <laughs> swingers no, you know what's so funny swinger though island. swinger island would be a boring tv show because most of my experience in the swing lifestyle was always about consent uh respectful behavior for the most part i've got to be honest with you out of the swing clubs and stuff i always went to never had uh, an experience with disrespectful people i think it would be a really boring show it would for be people. an educational you know it would be, it would be like watching national yeah, geographic like this is what swingers honest, do on their made, island if it was made into a reality show it wouldn't likely be people experienced with swinging it would be people interested that had <laughs> like yeah. if you're making it for tv yeah uh, i i suspect that the people that were selected during casting would not be the people that are like oh i approach this uh very thoughtfully and meaningfully <laughs> yeah like it would literally be like here's your questionnaire did you ever watch real sex on hbo you did you're in 
All right. Unknown unknown detail about me, probably. I don't know where you probably don't know this. I in college, my freshman year of college, interviewed to be on the real world Seattle. Oh or my god. One of them. I can't remember. It would have been whatever it was there. It was it was Oh, you didn't have to live there to be on real world. No, they Sorry. came I, right. Yeah, I yeah. I just realized I never watched that. I can't Sorry. remember which one it was. Uh, I was like, you know, when I was in college. And <laughs> the interviews, uh for it were you know like and i grew up during the era of like you know the first real worlds of like you know they were like engaged in social justice and like the arts and like you know but it was just starting to make that shift towards just like messy drunkenness and that's what the yes. real you know what yes. i mean like yes. in the early 2000s like it was shifting over and i remember like the interviews like started with this like group interview and there was literally someone there whose job it was that was like to start shit between the people at the table. Wow. And I literally remember being there and they're like, and so what's your what's and it was just like super like provoking and like provocative. And like everyone at the table is like, well, I'm 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 crazy because of this. And then someone was like, so they got to me and they're like, what do you think? And I was like, I think I need to go. And I just got <laughs> for you. Oh I my God, I'm getting a stomach ache just listening it to that. It was like super, oh, it no. was so like toxic. And I was like sitting there and I was like, I liked the old one where it's like, we're bit, you know, remember that we're not yeah. going to talk about this today. But anyway. Yes, we're definitely going to, listen, me. I'm telling you right now, we're, we're going to circle back to that in one episode because I want to know more about this. I want to know more yeah. about the doc going to be on the real world. Okay, let's get, okay. <laughs> We're going to get back on point here. Elle yeah. Magazine so I, is trying to I save talk? marriages. And it's yeah, about okay. going to like resorts, very expensive. And it's like intensive therapy. It's not like swinging lifestyle, clearly. Okay. So, but it, that's really what it sounded like to me. It totally was hedonism. But um, you're going there and you're trying to repair it. And it's very intense is what I'm gathering from this. Right. And it costs a lot of money. So, yeah. So if I can say a little bit about why I, A, why I wanted to talk about, really the more this article is a jumping point to talk about this topic. And then I also wanted uh, Laura here as a marriage and family therapist and a certified sex therapist. I think Laura has like some, some pretty good takes. Like Laura, does, you do a ton of couples work and, you know, I do. And, yep. Right. And I do a lot of couples work as well. But like, so there, this is really an article about like, if it's the right world, I would say like a boutique intensive therapy experience. And so what I'm this person is um, I believe a marriage and family therapist, if I read the article correctly. Yeah, that, I think so. That runs a lot of like these intensive workshops for couples. And I think that I looked at this person's website and I think some of them are more maybe affordable or in town, but then some of the intensive workshops are like so for instance, a twelve thousand dollar per week couples retreat. Yeesh. Um, and you know, it requires like sometimes upwards, I think I could be wrong. Like it, several hours of therapy in a row, like, you know, um, so typically in a therapy session, you're doing an hour, like one hour at a time, uh, every once in a while in marriage and family, do you ever do like two hours or is it really still like in psychology, you really limit it to an hour because the potential mostly... diminishing returns. Right, right. I mean, so when you think about marriage and family therapy, and not that I can speak for, for all of us, but um, people do a wide range of things, right? And so I do a lot of couples work. That's kind of how I do the relational therapy. Sometimes people are doing family work or like in-home family work, and they'll go to someone's house and maybe work with everybody in the family, right? So normally I think that's also an hour, but sometimes it kind of gets a little longer if you have a lot of people involved. Like if you're working with a family of six, it, your sessions might go a little bit longer. But yeah, I mean, it, everything I do is pretty much uh, the, it, and it, technically it's a 50 minute hour, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, yeah. okay. You know, cause that's not been explained to me because there've been a couple of times and I don't want to cause any trouble here, but there have been a couple of times when I was talking to Sandy, my therapist, and I'm like, don't we have an hour? And she'd be like, it's time. And I'd be like, wait a minute, I got 10 more minutes here. And I was deep diving into whatever important thing I needed to talk about. And then all of a sudden it was over. And I'm like, hey, am I off? Like, is my watch off? Now I know. It's secret. You guys, it's only 50 minutes. <laughs> here this whole time I, until this moment i thought i was paying for 60 minutes like 59 you know five five 
You know what I mean? And then I got to, it's time, pay your money and you're done. I regularly feel bad about that because I think people do think it's a 60 minute and in the paperwork, it's clear. And I used to try to tell people in their first session, like, just so you know, like this is a, or like 55 minutes. Cause you know, therapists are people too. We need to get up. We need to use the bathroom. We maybe need to get ourselves something to drink. So our voices don't give out between sessions. Right. But I don't think people always know it. And when I started telling people at the beginning, their first session, generally people kind of responded oddly to that. It felt, it, it felt almost like too weirdly transactional. So I kind of stopped, but yeah, that's a tough thing to, I think a lot of people don't realize that. I feel like I got a bag of Doritos and I opened it up thinking it was a full bag of Doritos. And then there was all this extra air in the bag. And I was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) So a lot of times too, though, with a, just this, you know, like with a, if you work with, this is a, we don't need to deep dive into this, but if you work with insurance, right? Like, so there are different models, right? Like if you're private pay, you get to decide how long your hour is and a 50 minute hour is standard. However, with insurance, there are two different codes. And one of those goes to um, 50, one of them goes to 52 minutes and one of them goes to 53. So it's a higher code. If you go to 53 to 60 versus 45 or 40, I think to 52. And so when you're working with insurance rates, you're sometimes people's insurances will only cover up to 45 minutes. They won't cover the bigger session. So there's, we don't need to deep, but people, but it is actually fair dialogue at another, uh, to say a lot of people say, don't understand how this stuff works. Yeah, and I they just do think say, that their therapist is screwing them. <laughs> look, it, yeah. it, it's very, very sweet of you to say, Laura, that I would have read the paperwork to actually see that it was <laughs> 50 minutes you know, but uh, clearly that's not my thing. So, okay. Okay. I'm sorry yeah. to get so off topic. Were, that's but, right. So it's usually, so, it's usually 50 minutes and, you know, so if we went to one of these retreats, okay, say, we, say Doc and I are in a relationship. We're going to go to one of these retreats. Okay. Are we saying, what are you shaking your head at? That's not so far-fetched. I'm a catch. All right. I'm, you, you would be, you'd be so... <laughs> See, my friend Laura's laugh. She knows. So the point is, if we were going to this retreat, okay, are we saying that we would have like more than one hour sessions every day? Oh. Like, or like, what are we talking mm-hmm. about here? I mean, I think, and I'm not sure if I saw it, and I could be like, I need to see if I can find it. I think that there was something like in one of the cases someone was talking about, and I've had people, I know people that have done stuff like this, like you know, sometimes like eight hours, twelve hours, like the whole day. What? you know of just and then therapy? also like yeah well and it's intensive right so like what these boutique experiences are more about like so there's different levels of intensity of therapy that somebody might have and you know and I, the reason that I wanted to talk about this is like a lot of times when people are feeling really desperate around something. So this case, it's maybe a couple's issue, but like in sexual health, it happens a lot. You'll see a lot of like kind of quote unquote, like sex addiction retreats that people go to and they'll spend like 30 grand in the hopes of like healing and like sometimes like 20 days or a week. But a lot of them are incredibly expensive, like thousands and a lot of insurance companies don't cover them. Right. So like thousands upon thousands of dollars. And like, it's sort of like, can they be helpful? Possibly. Why do I care enough to talk about it? Well, when people are desperate, sometimes they will also be willing to do whatever it takes. But there's some tricky elements of doing sorts of, um, A, it's not accessible to all people, but B, there are some tricky elements about doing like really intensive therapy. And I think it's helpful to talk about like, if you're going to be doing a lot of intensive work, what would maybe need to come after to like actually make that all of that money that you spent to work for you. And I don't know, uh, Laura, if you wanted to say more about this just as a general topic. Yeah, I reading the article, I, I had some really similar thoughts to you. Um, on the positive side, I will say vacations can be really helpful mm-hmm. for relationships. You know, oh, like really? one of the questions, <laughs> I mean, that might not seem like the biggest revelation, but when you well, think to about me, I'm like vacation. Really? Like, I don't want to be trapped in a, in a, you know, like a, my partner and I were really at each other's throats. And then I'm like, let's go to Mexico. And then we're like stuck together in a, in a hotel room. I got, so this is, is well, this kind of right. like the Sometimes, neutral ground kind of thing that we've well, talked about? 
sometimes vacations can be miserable if you're if you're really in a bad spot and i mean i think the article even mentions that right like they're at this beautiful resort they had this wonderful dinner and then they're fighting all night and it's like yeah if if you're at a point where things are really contentious i'm not saying a vacation is going to save it but i do think vacations are helpful because they help you step out of your everyday life and um one of the things i often ask my couples is like What's sex like when you're on vacation? When's the last time you took a vacation and were you sexual together? And if so, was that different than when you're trying to be sexual at home? Because for a lot of people, it is. A lot of people, yeah, you are. You're in a different, more neutral place. You're not looking around, seeing all the chores you have to get done at home. Um, you know, sometimes people are having really nice meals and a drink or two. And I don't want to make it sound like sex should be all about drinking. But, you know, we know that that's a disinhibitor and a drink or two sometimes helps people feel desire they wouldn't otherwise be as aware sure, of no, listen, right? i mean you know, vacation a, sex and vacationing i'm with it i'm i'm with you 100 here laura i think you know there's nothing yeah. better than like a little vacation love time and it and it kind of gives you a second to step away from all the things that you that normally are taking your mental energy and put some of that into your relationship right but it's not going to solve everything and one of the thoughts i had reading this article is okay so what happens when you get home right? Mm -hmm. I hope you're still going to therapy. Um, change takes time. And this is one of the things I see people struggle with the most around therapy is that sometimes change can happen quickly, but a lot of times it, it really takes time to sustain it and really make things different. And I think we, uh, especially in the U S live in a very like fast paced culture that expects things to happen really quickly. And I worry that that's what people would expect from something like this. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to go. It's all going to change. We're going to come back. Everything's going to be better. We're never going to have to work on this again. And that just mm -hmm. isn't realistic. Right. Right. I think one of the things that, um, and I know that I sort of said it offline, right. To all of y'all, but one of the, one of the things that I kind of talk to people about sometimes is like, like, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you'll hear from like, uh, nutritionists or fitness instructors, right? Like if, if you lose all of your weight really, really fast, you probably won't keep off weight, right? If that's a goal that you have and like, you're trying to engage in something like usually for something to sustain their needs, it sometimes going slower while painful, while stressful, while difficult is part of what it allows it to actually sustain. And part of that is because there's a difference between knowing something and internalizing something. So if you go, let's say, to a week-long retreat, you're going to have a ton of information thrown at you. And the question is, how much of that information do you actually and are you able to retain? Because most of us are not able, unless you like got a I don't know, like a photographic memory, right? Like are able to take all of that data, retain it and hold on to it and then like integrate it into who you are and how you behave. And to your point, Laura, like, like I, you know, I'm not like uh, sort of against like doing intensive work. I think sometimes intensive work can be really helpful, but unfortunately, like Sometimes when people see intensive work, they see that as the beginning and the end, right? We're going to go do this intensive work. It'll fix the thing. And don't get me wrong. I bet you people come back feeling better after these weekends. I bet they do. Yeah. Right? Like they got some massages and they had some relaxed time and more time to talk. Yeah. And, and then the question though becomes like, what are you doing to have maintenance like Rick, to continue to like actually integrate what you learned and to practice, really it's practice, to practice what you learn and are you putting those efforts in? And so like, I would hope, like I think I have a suspicion that some programs like this maybe do a better job than others about like giving each other, like giving people what I would call like sustainability plans when they leave. But I guess I don't know, uh, Laura, if you've had any experience with folks that have gone and done stuff like this. I really haven't. Um, I, well, is so that because everybody that know. comes to see you is poor? Because these seem like really rich people <laughs> that would do this. Because it's well, like, well, you know what? Our marriage is struggling. What should we do? Let's go on holiday for 12 grand a week and talk about our feelings for nine hours a day. 
Like, that just sounds like a wealthy person excursion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I was going to go on a carnival cruise for a week, I'd be like, okay, I think they have an all-inclusive package for like $1,100, and I have to pay tips on my drinks. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it, okay? But, you know, to say that you're going to go on an all-exclusive, like, $12,000 a week I mean, that's the Walt Disney suite on, you know, the Walt Disney uh, cruise ships. You see what I'm saying? Like, so this just sounds like it's like overly exclusive and expensive. So that not every person would be doing it kind of a thing. No. No, and I wonder if part of that cost comes from the idea that like, you somehow have 24-7 access to somebody. So one of the parts of the article that jumped out the most to me um, because I read a lot of it and went like, well, depending on how this is done, this could be good, maybe, or there's some potential pitfalls here. But there was one moment where they uh, were talking about a couple who got in a fight after dinner mm-hmm. and it was really intense. And they called their therapist who came running right to their room and then apparently mediated their fight till the wee hours of the morning. And inside That's- me, I was going, nope, 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 nope. I'm not doing Me that. Me too. I read that part and I was like, I read that part and I was like, absolutely not. Yep. And I don't know that it's helpful. I mean, I tell a lot of my couples, look, if you are arguing and it is like 10, 11 at night, and that is usually your bedtime, you really might want to pause that and try it again the next day. And I know that that's hard for people sometimes to go to bed with unfinished feelings, but the more tired we are, I think the worse we get in mm-hmm. a tough conversation. Yeah, it feels like brain fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you get fatigued, yeah. man. I think I just can't imagine like, I, I, you know, look, I'm all about alternative therapies and whatever floats anybody's boat and would get the job done and help people. I'm all for it. But I just think like, you know, I talked to the doc for like an hour on where she's not even being my therapist. And I'm like, God, I'm tired. You know, like my brain (laughs) is doing a lot of work here. Like I'm jumping through like mental hoops. And imagine if it was about like my personal relationships, you know, for nine hours. Like that'd be a lot. That'd just be a lot. One one of the things that um, I talk to couples about a lot is this idea of like healthy containment. Right. Like you have to be able to a lot of the things that people fight about the most would be referred to by some as like gridlock issues. Right. Like their concerns. Is that Gottman? Is that Gottman? And I came up with gridlock. Yeah. There's this, is that who I is think that? so. Gottman did the research saying what like you only solve 30 um, percent of your issues and 70 percent stay the same. But as long as you but that most people are happy with that, if they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's something yeah. in there. I think. Yeah, like this, they say, like, what is a gridlock issue? It's like sort of like this ongoing issue or impasse in the relationship. And some impasses are bigger than others, right? Like, so, like, for me and mine, I'm always leaving cupboard doors open, right? Like, that's a thing. <laughs> like, it's a silly example, right? But that's a, you know, that's no, not that. No, you're like my husband. And I'm the person that's like, how can you live? How do you not <laughs> feel that the doors are open? <laughs> I walk into the room and I'm like, something is off with the force. All the doors are open, my God. I know, <laughs> right? And I'm that person, right? And it's, um, you know, like, a lot of times, like, we have these impasses, sometimes big, sometimes small, right? But, like, especially with bigger impasses, lock issues, whatever you want to call them. It's kind of synonymous. Really, it's about chipping away at them. You're not going to have, like, let's say you have totally different parenting values, right? And you've got really different parenting values on, I don't know, let's say something like discipline with kids, right? Yeah. I don't care if you talk for 12 hours, right? You're not probably, to your point, you're probably going to become emotionally fatigued. There becomes diminishing returns, right? After a certain period of time, people get emotionally fatigued and then they make a, sometimes they start to make little progress, but then they get fatigued and then somebody gets a little tired and says that one thing, that one thing that they really shouldn't say. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay. And then it, it sustains people. And so one of the things that I try to help people figure out how to do is this healthy containment. And that is about like, I'll have people set timers when the hour is up or 30 minutes. It depends on what, how well they're arguing. When 30 minutes is up, you're done. Yep. And you have to learn the skill of walking away, putting it on a shelf. And here's the thing, not punishing each other for that. <laughs> this is the right. hard part. Like where you're literally going, all right, And then you schedule the next time and you really try to work on having healthy compartmentalization around like, 
we can exist and get along and take this back out down from the shelf, ship away at it a little more, put it back up. And this is, people can't practice that. Part of what you often, and I don't know, Laura, you might, I, I feel like you, you maybe feel similar, but you can tell me if not, like part of what you're trying to do as a therapist is empowering people to do these skills themselves, not oh, to rush into their space and be like, you, you want to help people feel like they can do it. Not that they need you to be yes. the only person that's keeping them together. And when I read that and the therapist rushed over, I was like, Oh, that's like an enablement thing that I don't love, but I don't, I'll let you speak to that. Laura. Well, before you jump yeah. into that, Laura, let's take our quick break here. This is a good place to take a break and then we'll reconvene and get Laura's thoughts when we come back. Yeah, so uh, one of the things I was saying before the break is just around that idea of a, a therapist swooping in when we're trying to empower clients. But anyway, I wanted to let you respond to that, Laura. Yeah, I was trying to play devil's advocate in my brain. I was trying to be like, all right, is there a situation where this could be helpful? And I was thinking of other forms of intensive treatment, like maybe inpatient programs where maybe you don't have access to like the same therapist all the time, but maybe you do have um, more, more regular access to therapeutic professionals around you, right? Even that, Part of what you are trying to teach is exactly, Tara, what you just said, healthy containment, right? And I loved your idea of the timer exercise because that is hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard to leave things unsaid. It is hard to pause something and go, all right, I know we're going to talk about this again. And we'll talk about it later, but like I'm feeling really unfinished. And at the same time, it's so important to know how to do that. And sometimes that's the key when you have one partner who gets really overwhelmed and the other partner who never feels finished, right? Oftentimes what the overwhelmed person will do is avoid or run away or shut down, right? And if they know there's a timer, if they know like, okay, I got to stick in this for 30 minutes and then we will be done. Sometimes people are more able to stay in it and actually get things done. And sometimes then it becomes about the person who feels unfinished being able to kind of contain and wait for the next time and be like, all right, they stuck through the 30 minutes, just like they promised to, I'm going to have to wait for my next 30 minutes for some of this. Okay. Well, now um, would you say, Laura, that this is something that could be applied to like everyday intense conversations? Like if you were like having a conversation with your partner, be like, hey, let's get out the old egg timer here. We got 30 minutes to talk about our stuff. And in this process, you know, no matter what happens, we hear that ding of that bell and we're done. And then we wait again to, to have another conversation, like cleanse our palates for 24 hours with some sex in the city or, or Shit's Creek. And then we jump back into it, you know, two days from now. Well, Terry, you kind of... Mm -hmm. pioneered this so how do you use it yeah so um i've learned my lessons around <laughs> ways that it <laughs> can go effectively and cannot um so i give people kind of a set of rules and one of the rules that i say is that um uh you unless it feels like an absolute emergency you need to wait 24 hours before you come back to what because i am to your point laura sometimes what there's different skills that different people have to learn, but a really common difficult couples dynamic is one person that's wanting to step away or to avoid. And another person is like, I can't stop unless there's resolution. And then it's like, it's the pursuer distancer model. You have one person chasing sort of the other person around trying to get them to engage in dialogue. And then it just keeps round and round and round it goes. And so you're trying to often, and that's not the only dynamic that occurs, but that's a really, I don't know, Laura, would you say that's a really popular? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of times what you're trying to do is to be like, how do we interrupt that? How do we get you out of the spin cycle? And so what I'll, part of the reason I'll have people, and sometimes side note, I might be working with people where they can't, they can't talk civilly for more than 10 minutes. Okay, that's fine. Let's start with 10 minutes. But the reason I have people wait 24 hours, because people are like, no, I need more time because it feels imperative. But you know what's so interesting? 
if you can get people to wait 24 hours, suddenly that thing that they felt like they had to say, they're like, I don't remember. <laughs> right? Isn't that interesting? Yes. Because when we, the way that we think when our emotions are amplified, our literal neurochemistry is different, right? The way that we think during those periods of so Time. just hold that thought, Doc. I'm going to just have to go drop my my vial off to the person downstairs. I'm going to just let you ladies continue that thought. Just go in and I'll fix it in there, okay? Okay, what did I just say? All right, then the I'll, way be right, like, I'll be back in third. The way that you think. Thoughts get yeah. amplified. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so the, the way that you think when your emotions are high is different than the way that you think when you're um, calmer and in a calmer state. So something that feels really imperative when you're all jazzed up and, you know, jacked up on yes. Yoohoo and adrenaline, yeah. right, <laughs> is different than when you're calm. And, like, sometimes you're literally going to be like, that is not even remotely important. Why did it feel so imperative to say? And sometimes, though, also then after if, when I have people wait and if I can get people to wait, um, a lot of times the stuff that they do come back with has now been filtered down to the more essential pieces. I don't know, Laura, if you use right. or if you see similar things. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it seems to me that that would be a crucial part of any kind of intensive experience that couples are going on is learning how to do some of that. Um, one of the things that I find to be most useful is, um, it's an Imago technique called the couples dialogue. And I'll just say, I'm not trained in Imago, to be honest. I use this one tool. I think it's really helpful. It's a very formalized way of having a conversation where you basically state like one sentence, like I feel, I think when you blah, 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 right? It's gotta be real short, one sentence. There's a method that I won't get into about, you know, the other person kind of says back, okay, here's what I've heard you say. Is that it? Yes. And it ends with two things, a validation statement and an empathy statement. So the validation statement isn't that you necessarily have to agree with your partner, right? Like, I feel upset when you don't take out the trash, even though we've talked about this and that's your chore, right? Like, you might have all kinds of things going through your head. I didn't take out the trash because I was taking care of the baby. And why doesn't that count? Or, you know, I didn't take out the trash because I had the flu for part of last week and, you know, whatever, right? You might have a lot of your own stuff to say. Validation means you have to figure out how to say something real, like maybe like, I hear you, right? Or I can see that. Where you're getting their perspective, even if your perspective is a little different. And then the empathy statement is just one sentence like, you know, uh, it must feel like I forgot our agreement when I don't take out the trash, right? And that must be frustrating, right? And it's so funny. It's the most therapisty thing I do. I always feel ridiculous when I'm leading people through this because it's so, I feel like, I don't know, like mm -hmm. Frasier or something, right? <laughs> like some kind of stereotype of a therapist, but it really does help. And you don't get to that if you have some big sprawling argument about the trash that goes back and forth forever and everybody's got their reasons you know like sometimes you just have to boil it down to something simple and let some things go unsaid and then the other person can have a turn and say something that's really important to them if they need to but we can get lost if we just talk over things over and over again in the same ways. And and it is the most, to your point, Laura, and that is one of the most common struggles we have in relationships is that we keep using the same approaches and hoping for different outcomes. And people yeah. do get very lost. And I'm not saying I'm above this, by the way, right? Like I know this stuff and it doesn't mean oh, like, you know, me too. These, are, yep. these are normal <laughs> struggles for people to have, but like we often in, in fighting and in arguments get very lost in details, right? And so like a lot of times that people will have the like what happened conversation where it's like, well, you said this. No, I didn't. I said this. Well, you said this this time. No, I didn't. And usually if I'm in a room with someone, I'm like, no, no, no. 
I'm not interested in what happened. We're not going to talk about what happened because our memories are enormously flawed and biased in many ways. And we can <laughs> yep. do this for the next 17 hours, but it's not going to do anything. I'm more interested in the what's happening conversation, right? Like, how are you feeling? What's happening between the two of you and your dynamic? And so then a lot, and you know, and different therapists do things differently. But I think most of us, and Laura, you, I don't know, you may, may have a different opinion. I think most of us are really more than anything trying to get people to slow down. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, honestly, one of the things I read in the article that I liked the most was the idea of this kind of a retreat gives couples the opportunity to do different things than they normally would do. So this article suggests like they can do sailing lessons and you have to work together in sailing and you have to figure it out. And I think that kind of thing can be so valuable for people because it is an opportunity to slow down. It does get you beyond some of the words or some of the familiar arguments, and you have to figure out how to work together in a different way. Like whether sailing is your thing or not, sailing might not be your thing, right? But having an experience together and and having it, you know, hopefully mindfully, as hopefully these couples are doing because they're like, hey, we're here on an intensive thing to go, OK, how do we work as a team or do we not? Right. Mm -hmm. How do we problem solve when something comes up? Is there a moment where we can be in sync and just silently enjoy doing a thing together, <laughs> even if there's a lot that we still haven't worked out? I, that's valuable. Well, right? I well, think that we've cracked oh. the code here, ladies, and I don't mean to interrupt. But, you know, if I may say from somebody who has been very attentively listening here, OK, <laughs> I think that we if we just get our, like, I know people don't want to spend a lot of money. It's a lot of money to do what we've been talking about, going to these retreats and doing sailing exercises and stuff like that. But here's a, here's an easy thing from your old pal, Jeremiah. Go get a book on corporate uh, team building exercises <laughs> and just oh apply it. I to your life be like okay and today we're going to put together an ikea piece of furniture okay, you know so, what i mean like no and, like i am may I, i'm going to interrupt you what, there Jeremiah. Hey, come on i'm I, listen i'm not a licensed therapist no, no but, but what i was going to say jeremiah is i have literally had clients do several things I've had clients put together a piece of IKEA furniture together as a therapeutic assignment. So I'm just I'm agreeing with you. That's a tough one. All right. That's advanced I've level. had I've had only if they were like they had shit around and it was like I'm not don't make people go buy random IKEA furniture. They oh, don't I mean. would. I'd be like but, go and get the the but, the china hutch, whatever the yeah, biggest but, most complex <laughs> thing would be. And if they come the out on the other side alive, then their yeah. relationship is going to be okay. Right. But one of the things to your to your earlier comment, Jeremiah, like. These retreats fiscally are not going to be feasible for most people. That's right. Yeah. I mean, this really is not feasible. And side note, I would not recommend that people, and I have had clients like mm, intensive programs like this, or kind of like quote unquote, like sex addiction programs or certain retreats. I've had people put themselves deeply in debt to try to go to some of these types of like longer term retreat programs because they're feeling really concerned or desperate about their situation. Yeah. And I would always recommend that you um, talk to some people about those decisions and if there are alternative ways to to get some treatment, because sometimes also, right, like intensive isn't always the best fit for what you're looking to work on, but that's more of an aside. But to your point, Jeremiah, most people, these are incredibly expensive things and a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford them. One of the things that I have people do, and it's still, you know, you still need some resources, <laughs> I'm aware uh, locally where I live of a, a couple um, escape rooms that have two person only oh escape rooms. Oh my goodness. Oh That's my awesome. goodness. And I have regularly had people go do escape rooms together. And it's really fascinating. Whether it goes terribly or really well, people always learn something. Yeah. That's always. Great. Right? That's they come great. back and they're like, and I'm like, how'd it go? And sometimes they'll be like, it felt really good to work as a team. It felt really good to solve something together. And it, and it felt like we were, or people were like, well, that was the worst hour of my life. There oh, no. it is. Right? There yeah. it is. And then it's like, okay, why? What happened? And now you have this like really concrete experience. All right. Like what went, that's, that's literally contained to a room, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. And in a yes. certain way, it's almost like a, a, an experiment of sorts. And I, and I tell people, I'm like, I don't really care if you get out of the room or not, please don't. But like, it helps, like, it's like a, a perfect microcosm. <laughs> 
mm -hmm. for like uh, uh, either people to thrive or not to thrive together. And if they're not thriving, what is it that's getting in the way? And if they are, what allowed them and helped them to do that? And so either direction, I feel like I get information. And it's a regular thing that I'll have people go to and people are like, are you shitting me? And then very often they'll come back and be like, okay, we learned a lot. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I want to run a therapy escape room. Gosh, yes. that would be a great business model. I'd get to use costumes and my training as a therapist. See that? It all but comes geez. full circle, Laura. There you it's go. Full yeah. circle I mean, here. I dream. I think what would make that a therapy escape room, you know, like when you call and you get clues for an escape room instead yes. of clues, you have a therapist that's like, I need both of you to take a deep breath <laughs> and to take 10 seconds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And now oh, return. You know, right? like that's. Those Try are to concentrate on an I feel statement, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we have cracked the code here, uh, ladies. And I just want to say thank you to you both because, okay, I really didn't want to spend this kind of money if my marriage started to struggle. And now I know I don't have to. And so that was my biggest concern going into this. And I feel it's been alleviated. So thank you for that specifically. I'm thrilled to have been able to sit and talk to my friend, uh, Laura Rademacher, and I can't wait for my Christmas gift this year. I can't wait. And, and the apparent family reunion. And, the two well, of it's going to be, trust me, it's going to be epic. Wait until you try my potato salad. It is out of sight, girl. It is out I don't, of sight. I, I got to tell you, if there's mayonnaise, we may not be related anymore. Wait, why? You don't like mayonnaise? How come like you didn't tell me this? I like the vinegar-based Well... How did how did you not notice all these years? Well, I listen. I'm <laughs> not known friend. for being that observant. Okay, I but I am a te it's teach this is a teachable moment for me, and I'm happy to make it more vinegar right, based. We're gonna specifically we're gonna get through this. Okay, we will. we will get through potato salad. Listen, I don't yeah. want to have our first fight in front of the doc because then she gets very yeah. judgy. Okay, so look, <laughs> the truth the truth is really. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for coming today, Laura, and being a part of this discussion. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sure these retreats have their place and maybe they are helpful for everybody, but that doesn't mean they're for everybody and it's the only way. And just being or able to have or accessible or accessible to everyone. And there is a way, obviously, that you can work on it, and that's to go talk to people like my dear family friend Laura Rademacher or the doc herself, which do so much for so many. I have so many friends out there. If you're struggling, go find somebody to talk to because I'm telling you, it is so helpful. Even if you just listen to this episode and you hear these ladies discussing the things that they were discussing, I, I can't say enough how helpful it is to have somebody to talk to and to to work out before it gets to a place where it's really, really difficult. When I say that, ladies, am I saying anything out of turn here? No, no. Um, I want, one, you know me, I always have like a sort of a, a like, and then one more thing, right? Yes, but this one is the more one thing, thing that I do think is important. And And again, like I've had clients that have done things like these, maybe not specifically like a couple sort of, I have had some people do that, but I've also had people spend a ton of money, like I said, on some of these other like more boutique uh, horses, back, right? you know what I mean? They're yep, spending thousands yep. of dollars and, and often when they can't afford it, by the way. And one of the things that I would say is, especially with this kind of thing, right? This is talking about really, it sounds like a very specific provider. A huge part, and this is very true in research, a huge part of the change that people make is also based on their their relationship with the therapist, the therapeutic relationship. And so if you're going to be dropping some, generally speaking, or some major coin, <laughs> you're going to be dropping 12 grand a week. I highly suggest you call and you you interview that, yeah, and that's probably that good therapist idea. Yes. and you talk to them and you see how you feel. Do you get a good vibe? Do you get a safe vibe? Because if you end up in, I don't know where this is, like somewhere but bermuda or somewhere and you get there and even one of you and usually in therapy in a couple sometimes one person doesn't like you too much <laughs> the other yeah. person does mm -hmm. but if you even have one in a two-party that goes i don't like this person you're gonna have a very different therapeutic experience than if you have a provider that you actually feel like you have a good sort of vibe. I don't know, Laura, if there's anything. That's a add. really that's a really good point. And it makes me think about how it might be really helpful at some of these retreats to have multiple providers working together. Mm -hmm. That yeah. could that could be a cool experience where maybe you would get something different yes. uh, for the money that you spend than you would if you were spending that money on individual sessions with one person that you know, I mean, there's ways that this stuff 
I can see it being beneficial, you know, and, and I think beauty is helpful. And I think relaxation is helpful to people. Therapy is hard work. Yes, and it is. That's really, it's really valuable. It's really important. And also we need time to rest and relax. So in that way, I'm like, oh, this could be yeah. helpful. But yeah, Tara, I would, I think you're right on, you know, make sure that you vibe with this person, make sure that you like the way that they're going to approach things and make sure that both of you do. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if you come home, remember, you're going to have to keep working. You got to keep working. <laughs> keep That's going. the thing. Yes. Isn't that like what they say yeah. though? Like, you know, it's like one of the biggest time, and, and I know this is probably totally like u-turn but like isn't it like things when like people have like severe addiction problems like they go into like rehab and they do all this work and they feel good and they feel clean then they come out and they go right back to the same people and they go right back and they kind of stop therapy and then they kind of like live it depends you know? if you don't have a good transition plan mm -hmm. right i mean that's mm -hmm. where the transition plan becomes really crucial is like okay how do you where's the bridge yep between Still the experience the that you've had and yeah. The rest of your it, life. To, to Laura's point, and I know we got to end, is way easier to get along when you're on a beach and you're yeah. getting massages <laughs> than it is when you're at home and you're sitting in traffic and you thought it was the other person's night to do dinner, but they think that it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. These are yeah. very different relational contexts. And so being able to take something out of one context and move it into another context is very important. And I know we'll end, but I'm just saying out loud, I think at some point, Laura, we need to do a podcast and have you on specifically about vacation sex oh, and how yeah. to take how to take vacation sex and bring it into the day-to-day -day life. Ooh, Absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. I got some thoughts. Yes. I do too. I got, yes. I got lots sex. of thoughts. I got lots of thoughts too, ladies. I'm ready for that episode. Well, I just want to thank you both for everything that you do for so many people. It really is. I'm telling you, like it, it, it blows my mind to uh, listen to you both speak. And uh, it's it's so awesome because I get to learn Well, our audience gets to learn. And uh, I would just like to close by saying, uh, go get that book on corporate teamwork. Uh, you know, if you just get yourself a wine hutch or something like that at Ikea, you'll find your way through it. You know, and there is, to be fair to you, Jeremiah, Jeremiah there is a... A halfway decent book about communication that can apply in business or in relationships called Difficult Conversations. Okay. It has the world's most boring cover. Yeah. It's just text. It sounds like a horribly boring book. <laughs> but it is exactly what you think. It is literally a book about having difficult conversations. Okay. Whether that's in business or your personal relationships. Well, maybe so. we'll do a book review that somebody else will read that book because it sounds boring and you know I won't read it. So, that all being said... Thank you, ladies, for everything. Thank you so much, Laura, for being back and being such a great sport. It's so great to see you as always. And, Doc, I will talk to you again next week. Bye. 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 Thanks, Laura. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me. Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.